When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Have you ever run a marathon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... Um... <laughs> what a start! It's, well, I, just, I know it's not the question that I've ever asked before, but <laughs> well, we obviously know there's a story leading into it, don't we? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I ran my first one in 2000. And uh, I, um, unfortunately, I'd lost my mother-in-law uh, with Alzheimer's. And um, when I saw what it had done to her, she'd been ill for about 10 years and um, obviously I was very um, touched by it to be fair and I kind of wanted to do something about it and so I decided to run the marathon that year. I can remember the race itself, uh, I say a race, it wasn't, <laughs> well, I wasn't exactly racing but um, we'd obviously it was in April, we'd qualify for the FA Cup final. We played West Ham the day before, I stayed over that night in, in London and went straight out to Blackheath obviously for the start. And we started off and we'd gone about five or six miles and um, I saw this bald-headed guy in front of me. He was about 30 metres ahead of me and he looked like Luca Viali from behind. And obviously we were playing Chelsea in the final. Luca Viali is the manager of Chelsea. And in my head, my little thought process is going, if, if I don't catch him, we ain't going to win the final. So I need to get past him. I've got to get past this Luca Viali. And um, I never did catch him. <laughs> oh. I didn't. I tried and tried and tried, and obviously they beat us in the final as well. One nil. Think cost of that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, little things like that. I mean, sometimes you know it's all superstitions and everything. So um, on the running, I got beat by Mister Tickle. <laughs> <laughs> Did it turn into a sprint finish? <laughs> it was a sprint finish down the pa down Pall Mall. You know, I'm going down Pall Mall. Sprint finish. <laughs> And suddenly I heard shouts from all the people that were lined, that are lined at the side, all the fans and supporters and that shout, go on, Mr. Tickle. And I'm thinking, who the fuck's Mr. Tickle? <laughs> and then suddenly he ran past me. <laughs> so it's sprint finish to the line. And yeah, so I got beat by Mr. <laughs> fucking Tickle. I didn't get you on a weird pass. On the run. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I obviously wrote to all the managers that year, all the managers in the Premier League and made them aware of uh, the charity I was running for and um, if they'd like to make a donation. <sighs> Out of the, the, the 20 managers, 19 of them obviously uh, replied uh, and they sent checks through and over the period of, of uh, a couple of months leading up to the marathon itself, I was getting donations um, from uh, the Premier League managers and you know, I'd come in the office one day and, and my PA would say, oh, um, Sir Alex Ferguson has, has sent a cheque today, you know, and I immediately want to know how much it was. And she said, oh, he sent a £1,000. So I said, oh, fantastic. Add that, add that to the total, you know, and various other managers were sending £1,000, 1500 quid, 500 quid. 
And then one day I walked in the office and my uh, PA, Debbie, says, um, oh, we've had a check come in from Mr. Arsene Wenger. I said, oh, how much is it? She said, uh, 25 quid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Arsene. I said, how much? <laughs> said, he's, he's, he's missed off a couple of noughts there, I think. You know, but, yeah, so Arsene had really splashed out. Sent me 25 I think quid. I'd have sent it back. Mm. <laughs> yeah, thanks, yeah. Arsene, but no thanks. <laughs> if you take it right the way back, Northampton, yeah. how, yeah. did, how did that come about, starting there? I was a 13, 14-year-old kid. Um, playing football in the school team and in the county team. And I grew up in Cambridgeshire, which is not a real hotbed of, mm. of football. I used to write off let, uh, letters to clubs asking for trials in those days. You know, have you got any trials? Can I come and hope, hopefully if, uh, get them to sign me? I wanted to be an apprentice. Mm. Northampton was, was one of the clubs that uh, wrote back to me and said, oh, yeah, we've got trials in three or four weeks or whatever so I ended up going over they they took me and wanted me to sign as a, an apprentice and I started in uh, July the 1st 1970 they'd just been beaten by Man United 8-2 George Best scored oh. six I think he'd been suspended for a month and he came back and his first match back was against Northampton in the quarterfinals I think at the FA Cup and I was delighted to be there you know and I just kind of worked my way up became a professional and played in the first team Phil Neal was there with me the Liverpool and England fullback. I read some. Was it when he went to Liverpool that you thought this is this is where I want to be? That I need I, to stick in. And I came in one Monday morning, and um, I was by then I was a, like a first year pro. I came in one Monday morning, and uh, we played Rotherham on the Saturday away. Our goalkeeper got injured, and got carried off, and back in those days you didn't have a sub keeper. And Phil Neal went in goal that day. And Phil, at the time, was a bit like me. He, he just played anywhere, anywhere and everywhere. Wherever he was asked to play, he played He played striker, midfield, right wing, left wing, right back, he played centre back. Anyway, this particular day, he went in goal. Went in on a Monday morning and obviously going about your normal duty, getting ready for training and couldn't find Phil now. I said, has anyone seen Phil? Where, where is he? He's not in, is he, today? What's he up to? And someone said, uh, he's gone to Liverpool. And I've gone... What's he going to Liverpool for? Thinking like, it might, like a relative. Had, up. Yeah, or a relative. I thought a relative had died or something. That was my first thought. Oh, Someone been in the family. They said no. He's gone to sign for Liverpool. And I said, well, Liverpool. How, how do they know about Phil Neal? And and I was so naive at the time. They said, well, they've been watching him for the for the last few months. They've been watching him with a with the intention of maybe taking him if he's good enough. And I think the fact that he played in goal on the Saturday, I later found out the, the scout was so impressed that he can even play in goal. And he, <laughs> and he kept a clean sheet. They said, we've got to take this guy. You know. He's gone as a right-back slash sub-keeper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, he'd, he'd gone to Liverpool and, and he was going to sign for Liverpool that day. And I suddenly thought, they've obviously been watching us. Why aren't they fucking taking me? You know, <laughs> That was my, my first thought. Shit. I never thought like a first division club would come and watch us play, you know. What league were they in? Northampton? In that fourth in the fourth division, league, yeah. league two. And um so obviously that that day he went off and, and signed for Liverpool and that really sort of really inspired me to think, shit, you know, big clubs are coming to watch us. It's about the time I got my act together. Otherwise I'm gonna be here forever. And um that that sort of really inspired me, you know, to sort my act out. And I mean I've always worked hard. I always felt I sort of worked hard on the training ground, but this was an opportunity. If, Clubs like Liverpool are coming to watch us, you know. Mm. 
there must be others. And um, that was then my intention to uh, to try and get away. I started doing extra bits after training, you know, suddenly going, I used to sort of go off and do stuff behind a, a bushes or trees or something, you know, do extra running, sit-ups, press-ups, all that kind of stuff, just anything to try and lift my fitness levels up. Did you feel you had to get behind the trees because people just call you a busy bastard? fucking little busy film there. Behind them bushes again. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> a lot of grunting. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Comes back with a sweat on from there. I, I knew as soon as I mentioned that, you'd pull, pull me up on it, yeah. Did you fix down one position at Northampton? No, that was it. That was I just played everywhere, wherever the gaffer wanted me to play. And that turned out... To benefit me as I went to Villa, you know, I went to Villa and um, I suddenly played in every position. I wore every shirt at Villa because yeah. in those days it was 1 to 11. You were numbered yeah. 1 to 11. Um, and I think in my first, in the first couple of years, um, I played in every shirt. I wore every shirt. Was that a little challenge it, yourself once you got so far? It was. I had number eight. I'd never worn the number eight, which was Brian Little's shirt. We did, obviously didn't have our names on the back, but number eight belonged to Brian Little. That was his number. Yeah. And he wore that every week. And we played Liverpool at home, funnily enough, against, against, I was up against Phil now. And uh, we, it was Easter Monday and I hadn't worn the number eight and the gaff, I was playing centre half alongside Alan Evans. Me and Evo were playing uh, central defenders. And uh, I went up to uh, Roy McLaren, who was the assistant manager. And I said, um, is there any chance I can wear the number eight today? I've never worn the number eight and I need number eight to get the set. He said, you better ask the gaffer, Ron Saunders, you know. And I thought, oh, fuck me, no chance. So I bottled it really. I thought, I can't, I can't ask the gaffer because he'll just go mental or tell me to <laughs> fuck off or something in his usual manner. Um, and I actually found the courage from somewhere, went up and asked him if I could wear it. And he said, yes, make sure you win. Um, you can have number eight on that completed the set. I wore the whole outfield numbers, you know, from one to 11. Did you win? Uh, beat Liverpool 3-1, yeah. And they were, you know, champions. Top, top, yeah. side top always top. Did um, it get to the point though where, you, I know you said it was a benefit yeah. to play in different positions. Did it ever yeah. a point where you thought, I, I want to get fixed down in one? Yeah, and as I, obviously as I, as I progressed, as I got older, um, I kind of wanted to play in one position. Funnily enough, I went to Brighton as a right back. They signed me as right back. I ended up in centre midfield. Then, then I went to QPR and Terry Venables played me at right back to start with when I first went there. I played first half a dozen games, I think, as right back. And then he put me back into midfield. So it, it served me well. And I think um, I got in the England squad when I was 29. Um Played in centre midfield. I ended up playing right back against Hungary in one of the European Championship matches. And the fact that I was able to play, mm. I had good versatility, mm. you know. Um, like a Phil Neville, wasn't it? Phil Neville could yeah. play yeah. Yeah. right back, left back, centre mid yeah. for England. I think Rooney could have as well. I think Rooney could have. He never had to. Yeah. Because he was in... <laughs> Um, he was always first choice in his own position, but he, I always thought that Rooney had the ability. He knew what, what it, what it meant to be a, a central defender or to be a right back or to be a left back. And many times in games, he used to chase back in, in wide positions and, and win the ball back. Um, but yeah, you're right. Never was the same. How come you ended up leaving Villa? As a player? Yeah. I wanted 25 pound increase, wage, wage increase. Oh. 
when you at the end of at the end of the season, I think it'd be after a long time after you guys. Um, but at the end of the season, you used to go and see the manager, and he would negotiate the contract with you. So you, we didn't have an agent, and it was just you and the manager, and it's he'd tell you what you were getting next well, season. We were, we were half scared of him. Yeah, we all were. We all used to at the, the season finished. So on the Monday morning, we'd all have to go to the training ground in a cafeteria and we'd sit outside the manager's office and one by one we had to go in and discuss your contract for next season. And you'd all sit out there saying, what are you going to ask for? Oh, I'm asking for 100 quid. I want, <laughs> I want 100 quid pay increase, you know. At the time I was on 150, 150 pound a week and uh, I wanted 250. So you'd all sit out there and say, I'm asking for this and I'm asking for that. And one by one they'd go in, come out and say, what did you get? And they said, oh, fucking fiver. Because <laughs> <laughs> the gaffer would just say, this is what you're getting. And you'd just say, okay, boss. <laughs> thanks, Paul. Thanks, boss. And you'd come out and one by one, they'd come out and they're all just, and I thought, no, I, I ain't moving. I want, I want a hundred pound increase. That season I paid 40 matches for the first team. I've missed two games through suspension. I'd been captain twice when Dennis Mortimer was not playing when he was injured, and uh, there was the top wage was two hundred and fifty pound a week, and I, that's what I wanted. And I went in, and he offered me two two five, which was a fifty percent increase on my salary. And I said, um, I said, no, I want two fifty. I said to him, "There's about five players here that are on two hundred and fifty pound a week. They didn't play forty games between them last year. Uh, most of them been injured, and they hadn't played the games." So I said, um, you know, I played 40 games for you last year, Gaff, and I want 250. And he said, well, you're not getting it. You're getting 225. And that was wrong. He would not move. And uh, so I said, well, I, I'm not signing a new contract. I'll just stay on what I'm on. And on the Saturday, we were all flying off to Mallorca for a week's holiday, a week's piss up, basically, you know, end of season. And I said, oh, by the way, I'm not, going, I'm not going to Mallorca. I ain't coming. Not unless you agree to give me 250. And he said, no, you're not having it. And I said, well, I'm not coming on Saturday. He said, you are. It's all booked. It's all booked and paid for. I said, I ain't coming. No way am I coming. You're showing some bollocks here, by the way. Yeah. I'll tell you what you are doing. Well, you, you cut your nose off to spite your face. Yeah, exactly. I'm going on that fucking mag love trip. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not bothered about the contract, but I'm going to mag us. So, uh, so and that, that was it, really. And uh, anyway, I just said, I ain't signed it. Walked out. And um, two weeks later, he sold me to Brighton. And you're just playing yeah. hardball. You, you didn't just, want to leave. Oh, I didn't want to leave. No, no, no. I was very happy there. Yeah. Very happy. I asked them 25 quid. Well, no, we were on about this for, last night. Yeah. for a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> this, in comparison to this, if we, me and Johnny yeah. were negotiating where we were playing, mm. we were thinking, is it the equivalent of 500 quid a week for us to, to, to say that, no, I want I want that extra 500 quid? You know, in the comparison of money back yeah. then? Yeah. Was that big big money? Oh, it's big money, yeah. I mean, um, I, I was on 50 a week at Northampton. I went to 100. Um, when I signed for Villa, I went, he doubled my salary basically. And then my first year, after my first year, he upped it from £100 a week to £150 a week. He gave me a 50% increase. And in his, in his mind, he'd put me up another 50% next, at the end of that season to 225 And I wanted 250 because I knew that was a top wage. And I couldn't understand how he wouldn't give me the same wage because I was, play, I was playing the matches. I was playing 40 games a season all over the place, left back, right back, centre half. I played up front one night at Tottenham in uh, Ardelia's and Ricky Villa's home debut. I played number nine 
that that night. We beat Tottenham 4-1 at home in Ardini's first match at, at White Hart Lane in 78. So, 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 born. so, so I, no, I just said, that's what I want. And like I said, a couple of weeks later, I got a phone call. He said, oh, Brighton have phoned. They just got promoted, Brighton. For the very first time, they were playing in the top tier of English football. And um, they wanted to make me uh, their new signing, the record signing, 250 grand they'd offered. And, and Ron said, do you want to speak to him? I said, yeah. And I got £285 a week and loads of bits and pieces, signing on fees and, and all that shit. And, and it, wasn't, it wasn't, I mean, it, it wasn't really about the money. It was just about, hang on a minute, I've worked my Principal, nuts off this yeah. season. I just, out of respect, I think you should give me a bigger salary. But So that's still, like, in comparison, 250 grand you've signed for and you're still... Mm. I say only on yeah. 275 quid a week. Yeah, like, but that, that was like the top salary. It was. Did Villa win the league like the next year? Uh, the the following year, 81, they won it. I went in 79. Yeah. Uh, and I missed out, really. I mean, you, you mentioned it earlier. Did you regret it? Yeah, I did, sort of. Uh, two years later, they were champions of England. And three years later, they were champions of Europe, uh, winning the European Cup. So, you know, I looked at, I looked back on it and thinking, maybe I did, I did rush away a little bit too quick. <laughs> not, I'm not saying that so I'd have been in the team. I'm not saying that I'd have been in the team because obviously I moved out. Uh, Desi, uh, Desi Bremner signed um, a, as a midfield player. So, um, and they, he signed one or two other players as well. Uh, and, and obviously he built a team to, to win the first division championship in those days. And I and I always look back on it and thought yeah, maybe I might have been part of it, maybe not. Mm. Feeling like winners, champs, champs, champions. Well, you should be feeling. Th thankfully, Premier League strikers were crap. Took a leaf out of your Blackburn. Needless, but <laughs> <laughs> well, carry on. Under 35.5. Defence is on top this week, weren't yeah. they, chaps? Yeah. Because thank you to the Fair Play Exchange for sponsoring the series. And uh, thank you to everybody who took up the cost bets. What have we got this week? Big game this weekend. Man City. Chelsea. And that is a spicy one. Feisty. Feisty. So what do we think? We're saying there's going to be a red card. Just so one red card in the game? Just mm -hmm. a red card. Two yellows and a red fine? Yeah, that's fine. Absolutely got a red card, aren't yeah. But they've got, there's history, isn't there? With a... Needle. Can mm -hmm. we say that? I, like, I never use that term, needle. So what we're saying, saying is... It's a popular one in the football world, isn't it? <laughs> what is, yeah, what, there's a bit of needle. What, uh, what is needle? <laughs> I don't know. So we're saying there is gonna there is gonna be a red card. So there's in the a red game. card in the game. We win. If there isn't, then everybody else wins with a cosh bet. All you gotta do sign up, put in that code cosh. They'll send you the bet. Put your fiver on, and it's a fiver against us. Mm -hmm. If there's not a red card, you get a tenner. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, so, there's no commission to be paid as well. So no. There's no bookies involved. Well, that's the good thing about fair play, isn't it? No bookie. We need another bet this week between us. You could do me losing a bit of timber, John, after that holiday. Fucking hell, all right. All right, Slender. Huh? So what are you saying? Do you have a, a loss, a weight loss? What, over the week? Yeah. Bit of fun, innit? I've not got much to lose, like, you know. Thing is, you're, you're favourite. I, th well, I think we should go percentage-wise. We haven't got any calipers. We'll go scales. We'll, keep, go, old, <laughs> we'll go old school. On what, the so scales. Who can lose the most weight in a week? Yeah. Are we in? Not really. But if, you, if we're doing it, we're doing Fiber it. Fiber, who can lose most this week? Right. We'll have a weigh-in next week. 
Go on then. We're in. <laughs> We're in. Right. So, yeah, get yourself involved. Download the app if you haven't already. Fair Play Exchange. Use the code Kosh and you get the Kosh bet. And then you can also have a bet amongst your mates. Like we are. Actually, I'm, 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 I'm going for it. I know. You're like quite competitive when you want to be. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you've got to be over 18 and please gamble responsibly. You mentioned Venables before. Yeah. And there's loads of the old England lads saying yes. how good he was. Yes, yes. Would you agree with that? I was 27 when I met him, when I signed for him. I was 27 years old. <clears throat> and I've been a pro for nine years. I'd never worked with a with a coach before. He, I mean, Terry was a coach. Um, not so much the manager. There's lots of people. Um, they say Fergie was a manager and, and not a coach. Cluffy was a manager and not a coach. But Venables was a coach. He, he, he taught me. I used to go in every day. We all did. We used to go in every day and think, and you'd be in Brighton early and you'd see Terry was out on the training field putting out the cones and the discs and the bollards and everything and all the footballs, everything was all organised. And and you just think, oh, shit, I wonder what we're doing today. Oh, what's that he's, what's that he's doing? I've never seen that before, you know. And, <laughs> and honestly, every, every day was, was something new, something different. Um, and, and it was all coaching. It was all to do with the match that was coming up on the Saturday or, or, or just improving you as a, as a footballer. And I was 27 and I remember saying to him one day, shit, I wish I'd have known you when I was like 16. Oh, yeah. that. You know, my God. And, um, uh, and you'll hear so many, I, I remember I was with Neil Ruddock one night and he was talking about Venables. Best. I mean, Neil Ruddock is saying the best coach he's ever worked with. Mm. Was he a manager as well? Yeah, he was a, obviously he was a manager as well, but like man manager. I, I wasn't scared of, of I wasn't scared of Terry, but I was scared of of Ron Saunders. You know, yeah, <laughs> um, they were they were, they were different in that moment. I mean, everybody was scared of Cluffy. Everyone was scared of Fergie, but um, Terry was um, uh, could have been more of a disciplinarian. I think yeah. I felt at times, but but he got away with it with being such a, an amazing coach. He was a Guardiola in in his day. Seriously, he was a Guardiola in his day. He would come up with training routines and and, and just enjoyable coaching routines. Everything was about the football. Everything was about looking after the ball. Everything was about passing. Mm-hmm. He taught me as a midfield player how to get the ball off the back four, even though you had somebody marking you. You know, he, he would take you on the training ground and teach you stuff. And, I mean, it sounds basic, doesn't it, now? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah but, but, but listen, at the time, at the time, training, you'd come out, the assistant manager was standing there with a fag on and they'd say, right, four laps, and you do four laps of the pitch, you know, and that was the warm-up. <laughs> and then you went in 11 v 11 where you kicked shit out of each other or you, played, <laughs> or you played the reserves and, and, and that was a training session for the day and you'd do that the next day and the day after and the day after. There was nothing was, was very structured back in those days. No. Do you know before you signed for QPR, mm. did you know then that you wanted to be a manager and a coach or was it meeting Venables? No, meeting Venables. Was that it? was yeah, really. where the inspiration came from. I remember what, having a conversation with him one day and he said to me, um, he said, have you thought about what you're going to do? When you and I said, um, no, not really. <laughs> Usual answer. I think most, most, of us <laughs> said, most of us said that, didn't Get we? Get a pub. Everybody gets a pub, <laughs> doesn't they? Get yeah. a pub. And uh, he said, have you thought about coaching? I went, no, not really. He said, well, why don't you think start thinking about it now? I said, what do you mean? I said, I'm 27, 28, or whatever I was at the time. And he said, uh, no, start thinking about it now. So I said, uh, what do you mean? And then he'd say, well, you know, go on courses or or, or, or or write stuff down and this, that and the other. So I started writing down training sessions. I'd go home every day and whatever we did that morning, I'd just write it all down, I'd diagrams and, and everything. 
And I've looked back on them over the years, you know, I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that this morning. Mm. I remember when we did that with Terry back in whenever, and I'd put on that training session and I'd use it myself. Maybe put your own slant on it, you know, change one or two things in it. But he inspired me, yeah, to, to, to be a coach. Do you think that he saw something in you as a player? Maybe. That you you had something to go on and yeah, be a coach maybe. and a manager? Maybe I was a bit mouthy on the pitch, you know, yeah. so I was always. So no, no manager ever said to me, "Why did you do coaching?" Manager? <laughs> like, nah. <laughs> Get a pub. <laughs> <laughs> but did you did you improve as a player then in them two years at Brighton? Venables was QPR. Yeah, sorry, I'm I'm looking at <laughs> your notes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Under did you improve as a player? Yeah, right, yeah. Under, under Venables, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I went I went there. I said when I was 27. And uh, after about a month, he called me in the office one morning. He said, you'll play for England this year. And I went, yeah, God, no chance. And he says, you will, you'll play for England. He says, keep doing what you're doing. And uh, he was about a year out. I was 29 when I finally got called up for England. And that was down, down to him. He'd improved me so much as a player, as a footballer. Was it so um, far off the radar until that point, England? Just well, yeah. I mean, the, you, fact, you, the fact that I was twenty nine. Yeah. I mean, it was just no chance. Um, not even, not even likely to be considered. You know, but the fact, the fact that I was playing for QPR, we won the uh, ch the championship, the the old second division um, in eighty three. We won, we won it by ten points. I know we had the plastic pitch and that, mm. but we won it by 10 points. The previous year, we got to the FA Cup final under Venables. And our first year back in the Premier League as such, so first year we went to the FA Cup, second year we won the championship by 10 points. And our thir my third season there and Venables' third full season there, we finished fifth in the Premier League. So we just got promoted and we finished fifth. Mm. You're Never right. get to mention that. No. Like Fifth. Cluffy always gets to mention doing UEFA stuff Cup. like that. Yeah. Well, so, Venables. so, um, and obviously, as a player, you couldn't help but improve. It was down to him, and then we lost him to Barcelona. <laughs> Barcelona came in that the summer of eighty four. They Q came in and, and took Terry. He went to Barca. Was you Barca, for a call up? Sorry. Was you hoping for a? Oh, I was fucking sat by that phone. <laughs> you think if he'd have been 25, 26? Maybe, yes. You might have yeah, maybe, yeah. But I was, yeah, I was coming up to, uh, 30, coming up to 30. But the, the, the point I was going to make was he went to Barcelona, who had not won La Liga for 10 years. Yeah. Cruyff had won it 10 years before Venables. And Venables went in. In his first season, they won La Liga. And it was down to him. He's got to be underrated, hasn't he? Yeah. In, in my opinion, he got involved with too many other things, you know, away from football. He just got involved. He had um, Hazel, you remember, he used to write write stuff for the television series. There was a television series called Hazel, and he was one of the co-writers. <laughs> no, yeah, I, just I, stick to what you know, Terry. No, no exactly. And, and like, I'll tell you, he's I, doing episode three. He's, they're, on, they're on third But we suddenly, start, we suddenly stopped seeing him Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And he'd suddenly start, he started coming in Thursdays and Fridays. Great, again, on the training around Thursdays, but he hadn't been here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, and because mm. he was so busy with various other Spreading things. Spreading himself too. Yeah, and, and, and I think he just took his foot off the gas a little bit. But, I mean, you, as you said earlier, you speak to the England boys, they'll tell you just how great he was, you know, uh, with the national team. He played under Bobby Robson yes. with England. Was there any, you Robbie, know, Robbie Bobson. 
<laughs> Bless him. He used to get every, oh, I love, oh, he's brilliant. I mean, just pure football. He's just, he, he used to eat it, drink it. He was there all the time. All he ever talked about was football, you know. And um, Was he a coach like Venables or no, was he more of a manager? No, no, he's more of a manager. And, and uh, obviously I was there with Terry Butcher and Russell Osman, who'd been with him for 10 years at Ipswich. And Butch, Butch would mimic him, you know, because he knew exactly, he would get in a team, in a team meeting, <laughs> he just knew what, Butch knew what, what, what the manager was going to say. And then he'd say, uh, he'd shout, Trevor, Trevor. And then, we've got no one here called Trevor. <laughs> and it would be Terry. He said, he, <laughs> he was, he'd go, what, me? And he'd say, yeah, yeah, you. And it would be, he was calling him Trevor. He's getting all the names mumbled up. <laughs> and he had him for 10 years. And he had him for 10 years, yeah. He said, it's all right, he calls me Trevor every now and again. And, but, um, but yeah, he was brilliant, very, very passionate. We sat there, we were playing, um, we were playing Denmark European Championships at Wembley. Mark Chamberlain was playing right wing, John Barnes was playing left wing. And we had another player in the squad called Alan Devonshire. You remember mm -hmm. Dev? West Ham boy. So Bobby's giving the team, giving the team talk, talking to me and Ray Wilkins. We're in centre midfield. Just get the ball out of Barnsley and get it out of Dev. Get it out of Dev and then just get these these two fullbacks a week, you know. Just get the ball out wide. Get it out to Dev and get it out. And we're thinking, Dev's not playing. <laughs> Mark Chamberlain's playing right wing. And he's keep, he keeps going on about, he keeps going on getting his ball out to Dev. So we all suddenly start looking at each other thinking, maybe he's changed he's changed the team. He's decided to play on Devonshire. So in, in the end, Don Howe, who's assistant manager, had to say, boss, you keep mentioning uh, Alan Devonshire. Uh, is, is he playing on the right side or is Mark? He said, no, no, Mark Chamberlain's playing on the right side. <laughs> okay. So, but that was his, he, he just... Um, yeah, he, he, terrible with names. Terrible, he used to get everybody's name wrong. But, um, <laughs> but uh, a great guy, very passionate about football. And I say, he, he just lived and breathed football the whole time. Going into management, did you see that you needed to almost reset your apprenticeship? You know, working yes. as assistants, coaching. Did yeah. you see that as a... Because some players now mm. get, the, get the job straight away, don't they? Straight into management. And... Yeah, Chris Waddle went straight in at Burnley yeah. as player player manager. Didn't last long. Didn't last very long, no. Never got another, never had another job, did he? No. Barnes? John Barnes went straight Barnes, into it. Yeah, they're two that's, they're two outstanding players that spring to mind, you know. Not even um, modern Frank Lampard, Wayne Rooney. Yeah. They were just straight in at the helm. Brian Little saved my life. I finished playing and he rang me and he said, uh, it just took over at Leicester and he said, uh, what are you doing with yourself? And I said, nothing. Um, he said, come up and see me. He said, I might have something for you. So I, I just went up and uh, sat with him and he offered me a, a job there as first team coach with Alan Evans as assistant manager and the three of us, ex-Villa boys. And um, I just I just sat there with him and I was just thinking, I'm just going to sit and watch and listen and see how he does it. He'd been at Darlington before Brian had and he got them promotion and he'd been very successful. That's why Leicester took him. That's really what I did. And I, we did it for three years. We got to three playoff finals. Got beat, obviously got beat in the first two. And then the third one against Derby, we, we won and went, got promoted, went into the Premier League with Leicester. Um, and Brian was obviously been very successful there. And, and I just watched him, how he dealt with everyday stuff and 
how we dealt on the training ground. The fact that there was three of us that all kind of knew each other, we all got on well. I was a midfield player, Evo was a defender, and Brian was a striker. And as a coaching setup, it was perfect, you know. Um, and that worked. And uh, then we went across the villa, and uh, I can remember saying he wanted me to come with him. Brian said, I want you coming with me to villa. Me, you, and Evo, we're going to go there. All ex villa players as well. So we knew that we'd be welcomed. Um, and I just, again, I said to him, a couple of years down the line, I might want to go and do my own thing. You know, I might want to just have a go. I said, I've sat and watched you for the last three years and I'll, I'll sit and watch you. I'll, I'll commit myself to two more years with you, but I might just want to go off. And he just said, if you get the chance to go somewhere else, it means you've done a good job for me. And um, I shall make sure that deadly doesn't ask any compensation for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I did actually, I did a year and 11 months with him uh, before I went off to Wickham. Yeah. Um, but I did sit and watch him. I just, I watched Brian, how he dealt with everything. Just just listening and learning of, of how he did things uh, helped me enormously when I eventually went out. Was uh, that a shock to the system then when you went, obviously you'd been around no, it so no, much, I, but I, when you arrived at, Wig at Wickham, what was involved? Then players knocking on the door, was it? I, have to deal I dealt with, with it better. I dealt with it much better than had this been my first job. Yeah, you know, I, I, I dealt. Had I just come off the off the football pitch as a player, yeah. and suddenly gone into the dressing room, because you you know you've been there. You're. I used to as a player. I'd walk in the dressing room, and it was like everyone's taking the piss, we're always having a go at each other, laughing and joking, and everything. You know, what are you up to tonight? Oh, I heard you was out the other night. You whatever. All the stories go around the dressing. When I walked in as the coach, it shut up. It suddenly went quiet because they're obviously talking about me or <laughs> or, some, or or the coaching, something to do with you know the management. They're talking about us, and you walk in, it suddenly go quiet. Suddenly, you become the enemy. You really do. You 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 are the enemy, um, certainly to to some of the players. And you walk in, and it suddenly went quiet. That that hit me big time. You are suddenly the enemy. But but without any doubt, Brian Brian saved my life you know, by taking me under his wing. It's a baptism of fire, isn't it? Bottom of bottom of the league, bottom of division two. Do you know when you got yeah. the job? Yeah. What was your first thought that Wickham. you wanted to do at Wickham? Yeah. What were you thinking? Morale's obviously low. Yeah. How am I going to get these lads up the table? What you're not not prepared for is the questions. It is like you are you are the decision maker. You say what time we're training tomorrow. It's down to you. It's not down to anyone else in the club. And, and they're at your door every two minutes. What time are we training tomorrow? What time are we leaving on Saturday? What time is the bus going? What colours are we wearing Saturday? Oh, we need to wear blue. We can't wear blue because they wear blue. You, you suddenly, you, you're telling the kit man or he's asking you what, what kit you're going to wear Saturday. Then you've got all the, the media stuff. And I wick them, not a massive club, but there's still local media to deal mm. with. All uh, oh, this, it just... Hundreds and hundreds of questions a day. Then you've got players that want to see uh, someone wants a day off, someone's going to a wedding, someone's going to a christening, uh, can, can I have Monday off? All the, it, and it's constant. Saturday night, it, it, if you've lost, at five o'clock Saturday night, mate, that is the worst place in the world to be. Do you take it home with you? <sighs> you take it home, you, you take it to bed. You, you take you, Sunday morning, you get up and it's still there. You look at that result from yesterday, it's still fucking there, you know. And obviously when I went into Wickham, they were bottom of the league. And um, 
my first match was actually nil nil at home to Wrexham. We drew nil nil, and then I think we played Crew the following Saturday and lost three nil. And suddenly that was a wake up call for me. You know, <laughs> I've gone in there, Johnny Big Bollocks, thinking, oh, no problem. You know, we'll be halfway in a few weeks. <laughs> suddenly we got one point out of six, and um, what are you going to do about it, JG? You know, it's down to you now, and and it it becomes your problem. What you put it down though that you you did pick up and got got them up the table. Um, well, slowly, slowly, things that we worked on in the team, which I changed. For, I went into a back three, two wing backs. You know, we just, tactically we changed it a little bit, which was a difficult transformation at first because they'd never, they'd never done that. They always worked with the back four. Uh, you just suddenly changed a few bits and pieces. I got a couple of loan signings. I took a kid called Neil Davis from Villa, Villa reserves striker, and brought him down. And suddenly things change. We start. We suddenly start getting win. And that thing, as I said on a Saturday night, when you know when you've lost, worst feeling in the world. Suddenly you get a win Saturday night. It's like the best feeling in the world. Different to when you're a player. Yeah, because as a, as a manager, you you kind of feel that you it's all down to you. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes, even though players always get, um, they get congratulated when you win. Oh, it's down at the players, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the manager. Oh, when you lose, it's the manager's fault. When you win, it's the player's fault, you know. Um, so so it's just a completely different, you know, that I felt 10 times worse as a manager than when I was a player. Because when, when you're a player, you, you guys have played, you go home Saturday, it, it's not totally down to you, mm. the, the defeat. It's down to everybody collectively, but... Or, you know, what we're pretty good at is shifting the blame. Well, it was him, it was a goal, <laughs> it, it was a keeper. It was, oh, is that stupid free kick? Or it was a, it was a manager because he made a substitution at the wrong time and all that shit. So you can always find an excuse. But as, as a manager, don't look for excuses. It's down to you. You're the one that's going to get the blame, whichever way it goes. You know? Did you make so, a conscious decision? You played under, obviously, Venables, yeah, yeah. Ron, Arthur Cox. Which yeah. of their managers did you want to... Take most from um, a cross section of Cox and Venables. What was he like, Cox? Cox was brilliant. A manager. Mm. He was a manager. He, he managed everybody. weren't really interested in coaching. Didn't really do a lot in coaching wise. But he turned you into a man, you know. And he wouldn't talk to you. he wouldn't talk to you if you were injured. He'd fucking walk straight past you in the corridor. <laughs> oh, oh he'd just fucking totally blank you. You wouldn't even have known him. <laughs> I'm, Chris, I'm Chris. Arthur. <laughs> I've been here two years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he might he might just say he might just mutter under his breath, "You can't fucking help me on Saturday." As he walked past, <laughs> as he walked past, it, "You can't fucking help me on Saturday." Um, Tell that one when you saw him in the tunnel one time. And he said something to you. I was at Leicester as as coach, and Derby were in the obviously we're in the same division. Coxie was uh, was a manager, and uh, obviously in reception at a football club, it's busy as people going in and out, this that and the other. And suddenly Derby have pulled up outside, so they've come in and they're going through the reception to go down to the dressing room. Coxie's first one in, and I've seen him, mate, Gaffer, and he went, "If my lot want to win this fucking game." As much as I want to fucking win it, you lot are in for a fucking shocking afternoon. <laughs> and then get carried on walking. I just carried on walking. <laughs> Never shook me hand, nothing. <laughs> Completely blank me. And I'm like, <laughs> and and obviously one of the boys in the Gary Mickawhite, who was playing for Derby, he come out five minutes later because we were big mates. 
And he said, Gaffer's walked, after he said that to you, he said he walked in the dressing room and fucking pissed himself. <laughs> <laughs> you knew what he was doing. So he said, oh, I just fucking, just sorted him out. He said, <laughs> I've just wound him up in reception. But that was him, though. He was, a, he was a great, great man motivator as well, you know. So you take the coach, Terry Venables, coach inside. And, and his management side, if you had a combination of those two. Because mm. from a player's perspective, it's not great if you're, you've got injuries. But in terms of just being focused, no, it, it 100% more, focused on that, on it, the result. It'd see you in the, in the, on the treatment table and he said, I bet he'd be fucking fit Saturday if we were in the cup final. <laughs> and then just walk out. <laughs> but that was, and he'd leave you with that, you know. He said one, there was a guy called Bobby Davison, great striker for Derby. They still sing his name actually uh, at Derby. Again, come in one mon Monday morning, Arthur walks in, there's a, we were at the training ground, we're in sort of the, the canteen and he walked in he saw Bobby Davison he said alright Bobby he said uh, yes Gaffer thank you he said you weren't fucking Saturday <laughs> and just carried on walking, and just carried on walking and went in his office I like it, it just leaves it Pulp with you pulp it out chuck it in off you pop like you know we didn't you know we didn't miss the fact that you were shit Saturday Bobby. <laughs> we've, we've not missed that fact and he's just been noted yeah it's been noted and just, carried, just letting you know and it just, <laughs> and it's just those little bits that just, you know, you know, he's watching, he sees everything. Yeah, he's watching you know. everything. He's letting you know that he's, he, <laughs> he knows everything about you. 76 games in charge at Wickham. Yeah. Were you surprised when the, when the, oh, the like, call from Villa come you in? You just never believe. <laughs> to this day. We played Bristol, we were playing Bristol Rovers on, on this particular day. And in Bristol... And uh, obviously, Wickham as a club, we had to count the pennies all the time. We just travelled down in the afternoon and we stayed in the hotel in uh, Bristol. And we had beans on toast at Upper's Four, you know, <laughs> uh, if you were lucky. <laughs> if you were lucky, you might get some butter with it, you know. <laughs> so we had beans on toast. Um, one of the waitresses, and she came over and said, Mr. Gregory, there's a call for you. And I... So call for me. She said, yeah. And I'm thinking, why is anyone calling me here? Don't know what reason. So I went over to the phone and this female voice at the other end said, hello, Johnny. And one of the only people I know that called me Johnny in that manner was Marion Stringer, who's she's secretary. She runs, she runs the club along with Steve Stride, who is a company secretary. So I'm thinking, Marion, what are you calling me for? She said, um, um, Steve is looking for you. Now, she's the only person that ever called Steve Stride, Stevie. So I said, Steve is looking for Why is he looking for me? She said, well, he's, he's outside your hotel. He's trying to find you. And I, uh, honestly, I have no idea. So I said, well, he's, he's here. I, 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 yeah, he's sat outside in his car. I said, okay, I'll, I'll pop out and see him. So I put the phone down. Are you aware that Brian Little's resigned? No, I've no idea. So... I've gone out to the car and uh, I see Stevie Stride, company rover. Everyone in those days had a company <laughs> rover um, and he sat in his car. So I jumped in the passenger seat and uh, I said, well, what's all this? He said, um, Brian's walked out. I said, what do you mean? He said, he's walked out today, he's resigned. He's let, and I'll never forget, he said, he's dropped us right in the shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, oh, um, right, so... So what are, you, what are you doing here? <laughs> I, I have no idea. I swear to God, I have no idea what he's doing there. And he said, we want you to come back. And I said, what as? And he said, as manager. 
And I said to him, I'll never forget it. How long for? Thinking again, you want me to come back for three or four games, win a few games, get a few, get away from the relegation zone, and then you can go back to Wickham. This I really thought that's what he's thinking. He said, so I said, well, how long for? And he said, forever. (laughs) (laughs) For however however long you want. (laughs) And I went, and then suddenly, then it hit me. It, then it hit me. He wants me to come back as the, as the manager of Aston Villa. Fucking hell! Wow! Uh, it's like, oh my god! Really? Oh, oh my god! It was like just knocked me over with a feather. Just. Oh. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What am I going to, I'm obviously I'm under contract here. And I had the best chairman I've ever had in football. A guy called Ivor Beeks, fantastic guy. And I'm thinking, I've got to go and ask his permission, you know, if I can leave. So after the game, I I arranged to go and see the chairman and tell him what I knew. And, and up until then, obviously, it's been kept completely secret. In those days, you could. So now I've got to go and motivate this team to go and beat Bristol Rovers, you know. I've, I'm, I'm employed by Wickham. I've got to go and do my job properly. And uh, fuck me, I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't stop thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Aston, Aston, Aston Villa. Bobby Robson with names. Uh, who's right left? Yeah. Julian Joshi up, up the right. <laughs> who's <laughs> right back? Who's right back? Not, Gaffer. not my problem. <laughs> Bosnich in goal. Uh, uh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, it, yeah, it was like... Uh, yeah, um, Gaffer, do you want me to do it? Do what you fucking like. <laughs> it was, uh, no, it was, it was, it was, and and obviously there's there's a huge part of yourself that says, come on, you got to act professional, do it properly, and and try and focus. And we lost three one. <laughs> <laughs> was the period of time before you actually from from sitting down in the car mm. to taking the job and it being released? It was to the twenty four hours, right? So after the game, after the game, I, I called. I, Went into the boardroom, got the chairman out, and he said, well, you're under contract. We don't want you to go. Come and see me in the morning. Let's sleep on it tonight. Come and see me. So I went to see him about 8 o'clock the next morning, and um, he said, I want a quarter of a million pound for you, you know, as compensation. You got, you're under contract and da-da-da. Was that uh, fair enough, that? Was that a I was, wor- I was worth about nine. I think my contract was worth about 90K, but he wanted a quarter of a million. And it was Aston Villa. Did you, was the part of you thinking this could cock it up, this? I'm fucking panicking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm making sure I'm saying all the right things <laughs> at the right time. Um, and, and I'm thinking, Doug Ellis might have changed his fucking mind, you know. Yeah. Last night, he might have gone home and saw that, you know, Wickham lost. Oh, Wickham, he's crap. Yeah. Wickham lost 3-1. But my thinking. And, and, and someone else comes on the on the radar. Yeah, and I think Rudolph it was being linked. Yeah. Might have just been in the press. I don't know. But. There was... Um, Brian left that night, and on the Wednesday night, there was 10 photographs of 10 prospective managers for Villa. Some were out of work, some were in work. 
Hullet was one of them. Yeah. And there was various other. Were you in the tent? No, there was not one. <laughs> there was not one photograph of me. Not even mentioned. But there's there's these ten pe people, all all sort of very well known managers, yeah. very um, experienced managers as well. That all kind of suited Villa at the time. And uh, I wonder what price you were with the bookies. Uh, been a good price. I could have got a good few what, quid myself. I'm paid. Break them off, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we ended up negotiating a, a deal. Um, Doug offered a hundred, hundred thousand. They wanted two fifty. He ended up giving them two fifty and a pre-season friendly. He gave them also pre that we would come down pre-season, and. Um, and he wanted all the gate receipts. Wickham wanted all the gate receipts from it, which was a lot of money. Yeah. I think we took, there was about 8,000 people came pre-season all paying £20 a head or mm. something. So they made good money and all the burgers and chips and <laughs> pints and everything else they do. So, yeah, and, and then um, I signed that day uh, and did a press conference at quarter past five that night. And uh, I didn't know Doug. And his nickname is Deadly. I thought, fuck me. Deadly dog. If I, if I lose three games, I'm out here. You know, if I lose three games on the trot, mate, he's, I'll be gone. He was a pussycat, really. Yeah? Yeah, he was a pussycat. When you told your wife, she was like, how the fuck's that happened? Yeah, well, I told her that night. You know, like you often say, oh, I never slept a wink last night. That is the one night in my life I never slept for one second, <laughs> honestly. I'm going to Aston Villa. I'm going to be the manager. It's Pinching like, yourself. Fucking hell. It's, honestly, it was unbelievable. Four o'clock, I get up that morning. That morning, it's four o'clock. I still haven't slept. I've tried and I can't sleep. And I'm, I'm going to go for a walk. I need to just fucking go for a walk. My head's spinning and just, I'm going to be the manager of Aston Villa. Um, I go out for a walk and I'm walking around my block ran ran the housing estate and uh, I'm thinking, what if what if I suddenly bump into a burglar or something and he <laughs> and he pulls a knife out and, and we end up having a fight and I get stabbed and I get and I die. <laughs> I, I'm never gonna be the manager of Aston Villa. I'm, I'm going home. I'm going home, really. So I fucking went straight back home. <laughs> I did because I thought if I see just see somebody and he fucking attacks me or something. So I'm thinking, I'll never be the manager of Aston Villa. And all I could, I was just churning over everything in my head, mainly about the, the huge prestige this job brings, mm -hmm. you know, and the and, pressure and, and the well. huge pressure, and the and the, and and they're, he's asking me to come and save him from relegation because they were heading that way mm. and things were really low in the club and the dressing room and everything. But the expectation list still being there because they finished fifth the season before, didn't they? Yes. Under Little. Yes. So even though they're struggling, there's still that expectation to get Absolutely. straight back up there. Uh, and, and thing, you know, obviously we went in and, and we won. We won a lot of games and suddenly it all changed. I mean, I knew the players. There was only one player that was different. It was, it was Stanley Victor. He was he was the only difference from, from when you left. From when I left. 16 months. I'd left 16 months before. And all the players were still the same. You obviously did manage to lift it. Yeah, that, we, that yeah. three months from thirteenth to yeah seventh, seventh, your, seventh your, yeah. your Europa Cup spot, which I never had in my contract. <laughs> Didn't think it were possible. Well, we were seven, sixteenth or seventeenth, I think, at the time, and. I, I didn't. They, they put a contract in front of me, and I said, "Give me a pen, yeah. quick, yeah. quick, give me a pen." <laughs> <laughs> the burglars didn't get me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Chairman, <laughs> sign this. Chairman, sign this quick. How did you deal with, I mean, this no disrespect to yeah. the Wickham. You know, yeah. we've seen about the queue outside the manager's office. Yeah, yeah. That queue will have been full of big, big names. At yeah, the it helped that I knew them. Hmm. I, I'd worked with them all. So I kind of knew them anyway. Different kettle of fish though when you're manager, Yeah, totally. Mm. But yeah, no, it was it was awkward. There was, um, obviously I inherited Stan from from Brian. He was the only, as I said, he was the only change from the year before. And uh, he was very influential in the club. Not always in the right way. Mm. Not always in, in a good way. You know, he, he had a, there was a feeling, you know, it was, it was awkward in the dressing room at times with Stan. He had a lot of people that didn't like him. Uh, didn't like him because, you know, he didn't. He didn't always give his best in training sessions and 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 obviously in matches and this that and the other. And I I got I got some some quality out of him. I was going to say, as a manager, on, on you're, not, you're not really bothered about the change room being divided and stuff, he's, if he's doing it every single Saturday. You mm. think, you've no. just got to take that on the chin, uh, but he's fucking I, I performing. With, I worked with McGrath. Paul McGrath was there under Brian. We inherited him when we first went in there in 94. Paul McGrath was there. And Paul never trained. And he used to sit in the in the gym. We had a gym that looked out over the training field, big glass window. He used to sit there on, on, the, on the immobile bike, you know. He'd just sit there on the bike pedalling away. Not very fast. <laughs> with a cup of tea. And all the lads would be out in a fucking Force 9 gale, you know, at the Belfry, the, the training ground. He used to come from the Belfry to our training ground at Bodymore Heath and the wind and the rain and, you know, and it would be freezing cold out there and we'd be out there training and Paul would be sat in a nice warm T-shirt, a pair of shorts, <laughs> a cup of tea. Then he'd have a bath and go home and he'd be like that every day. On the Saturday, he was usually the best player, Paul McGrath. And the lads can so probably lads take that as well. Sh- they didn't give a shit if he, didn't, if he didn't train. But it's on a Saturday when it mattered, Macca was was usually the best player on getting the, the results getting the win bonuses so he could he could do what he wants stan was a different kettle of fish that, that was that wasn't the same that wasn't the same because there was i remember the liverpool game was liverpool one of your first games my first game liverpool yeah and we he won two one. He, he scored both no he scored both that day and won the game he won the game for us against his old club did you think you got a paul mcgrath at this this point on the thursday thursday's tra- my first training session evidently stan headed a ball he scored with a header and one of the coaches come up to me and said, you've cracked it with Stan. I said, what do you mean? He said, it's the first time he's edited the ball for six months. <laughs> serious. But he was serious. One of the coaches said, that's the first time he's edited the fucking ball for six months. And I went, shit. Anyway, first game, he was outstanding. He chased fullbacks. He was brilliant. And if he is the most talented player I've ever worked with. The most talented. Not the best, but the most talented Stripped off, he's, in, he's unbelievable. He's got amazing physique, like five, 5% body fat, sprint, he could sprint, left foot, right foot, in the air. He was col- colossal, brilliant, talented, so much talent, but it never all came together at the mm. same time on a match day when it mattered. We played Atletico Madrid on the Tuesday night away in Madrid and he never moved an inch, never moved. He just loitered around the pitch. I took him five minutes into the second half, took him off. And from what he'd been on the Saturdays compared to what he was on the Tuesday night, which is miles apart. They must be the most frustrating and I got, then. But I got the, the Tuesday night performance, I got more of them right. than I did the mm. Liverpool performance. And just every now and again, he'd, he'd 
it suddenly turn it on. You think, oh, he's at it today. But the story you were going to say, I was going to tell you about was dealing with 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 players. We played at Sheffield Wednesday in my first uh, few weeks at the club. We played Sheffield Wednesday away at Hills, where Ron was the manager. Ron uh, Atkinson. Before the game, I sat him down in the dressing room. I'm announcing the team, and I've got four strikers, of which I'm going to pick two. I've got Joe Chim, York. Milosevic and Collymore, four very good strikers. I've got to pick two. So I've picked Joe Chim and York. I'm playing them two up front. Milosevic and Stan are subs. So Yorkie has missed the team talk. He was out putting tickets on or something and I've announced the team in the dressing room. So no one knows what the team was until I've announced it. Yorkie suddenly comes back in, into the dressing room. The players now start to get changed. He said, Gaffer, Gaffer. He said, sorry, sorry. He said, I was putting tickets on. He said, am I playing? So I said, yeah, you're playing. He said, who am I playing with? So I said, uh, Joe Jim. He went, yes. Straight away, and that tells you everything. He just went, yes. And we warmed up, in those days, five subs. So there were 16 of us as we go out for the warm-up. The physio had, had marked out the, the warm-up area over the far side of the pitch. So we go over the far side and was got the balls out and that, and we're just warming up. And then we start started off the proper warm-up, and uh, I've looked at the numbers. I think there's two missing. Milosevic and Colin Moore are in front of the dugout over the far side of the pitch, near the tunnel, kicking a ball to each other. And I'm thinking, look at those two fucking idiots. Because <laughs> they're not playing. <laughs> These two have never fucking spoke to each other. You know, they, they weren't mates. Or anything. They, they, don't, they don't even talk to each other ever. Milosevic and, and Collymore, they're from different worlds. They don't even talk. Now they're best mates because <laughs> none of them are playing. It is exactly what you're saying. You know, it's exactly what you're saying. You know, how you do it. And I thought, fucking leave them. Bollocks to them. So we joined the warm. We've done the warm up and finished the warm up. Gone in, got ourselves ready for the game. And I know that I'm obviously might have to do something about these two, but at the moment, my team is more important. I've got three points to win. Anyway, um, after 20 minutes, Ian Taylor playing central midfield. Great lad, by the way. Great lad. Great player. He he gets an injury. He's got to come off. So I've got to put someone on centre midfield. I've looked at the bench, thinking. Gareth Barry, 17, never played in the first team ever before in his life. I've looked at him and went, come on, Gareth, on you go. And like I could have picked Colin Moore or Milosevic, put them on. I thought, no, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I've got these, I've got Gareth Barry, young kid. Actually, the day I signed, I think he turned 17. On you come. We stuck him in centre midfield and he was brilliant. <laughs> we won 3-1. We won five on the trot away from home. And Gareth had made his debut, played centre midfield. And um, that was it. We'd gone back to it. And I I just left Colin Moore and Milosevic. I should have really maybe caught, nah, fuck it. Did you, when was uh, the next time you needed them or used I, them? I don't know. I don't, I, I don't remember. I think I, I, I would have had to use them at, at some stage, but the victory said more than I could mm. have said. I speak the, a the lot on air about managers having to make a statement mm. and sometimes it's going for the big characters in the changing room. Yeah. Was, do you think that was maybe a chance for you to say, call them out on it? For, for the benefit of the rest of the lads, really, and, and for the rest of the lads go, fuck me, he means, yeah. he means business. Yeah. And, and make a point of digging them out. I, I think the victory 
was was almost like an answer. It was almost like the players were answering, were speaking kind of on my behalf because, you know, I, I was pretty tight with, with most of them, to be fair, because I'd been there, obviously I'd been there before, so I knew them all anyway. Uh, and I was pretty tight, I got on really well with everybody. And um, I lost it once or twice, but I didn't really have to lose it that often. I was very professorous, even, <laughs> during, during the matches, you know, um, and, and obviously at halftime every now and again. But Stan, I, I'd already had so many conversations with him. Did you have sit down one-to-ones? Yeah, many times, many, many times. And, um, you know, he, he had, there was demons that he was dealing with on was a, day, on a daily basis. Was he open talking about them at the time? Yeah, he would, yeah. He would sort of say, you know, he, he, he was having a hard time with this and a hard time with that. And and as you know, I, I I think I said it publicly at the time, I couldn't understand how, you know, he's earning 20 grand a week, man. Uh, and he's he's playing for Aston Villa, his, his team, you know, his childhood team. He's playing for his local team. And, and he's earning 20 grand a week and he's living the... Uh, this amazing life, how can you have any other problems mm. off the field? It was like, and I made a statement at the time about, I said, if you're playing, if you're playing for Rochdale and you're earning 20 grand a year and you're 35 years old and your contract expires this summer, I said, I can understand a player like that. And they went and found somebody. I don't know who it was. <laughs> the media went and found someone because I said it publicly. I said that that's the sort of person that you you should think has got a problem with his life, you know, not someone that's that's earning twenty grand a week uh, and playing for Aston Villa, his childhood uh, team that he supported as a kid. Um, How would you look back so, on that? Would you do, would you uh, are you more should, open to it and do you understand it more the mental health issues and stuff? Because no, I can't imagine that going down well even back then. No, saying something like that, did you get stick? Not not really, no. Not, not maybe as much, no, nowhere near as much as you would get today. Mm. But I, I, I still found it, and I still find it hard. How can you have a problem with, you know, a, a great job, a great salary, fantastic home, and all, all the, all the trappings that go with being a, a professional? How, how can you, how can you have a? a That's what everything though. That, I don't, you know? I don't think. I don't think money makes you happy. No. And then of course. Stan went off and had the problems in Paris with Ulrika, which was all my fault. I got the <laughs> I, I got the blame for I got a lot of the blame for that. You know, I was getting I was getting letters and and phone calls from from people saying, uh, "Oh, it's all your fault. You should be teaching Supporting them how to live properly and not allowing them to go to France and things like that." You know, it's. Um, and was he just at this point? Is he just a problem for you? You're, you're the manager. Yeah, you've got the other lads to. It's it's like every day I'd spend an hour dealing with stuff regarding Stan, and um, another hour dealing with the other twenty players. Mm. You know, um, it was always it was always issues with Stan, and uh, obviously then that Ulrika thing blew up, and and then he come back pre season. Uh, he, he sort of, you know, he's going to get his head down now and I'm going to come back a week early than anyone else and I'm going to come back and uh, work hard and this is going to be the season and all that. And I was, great, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm with you and all that. And and he come back pre-season. He was sponsored by Diodora Footwear. 
and he's come back and all the media found out that he was coming back a week early. So they're all at the training ground, all hid behind trees and God knows what else. Uh, going to take pictures of Stan out on the training ground and he wears a pair of Nike trainers. He's sponsored by Deodora. <laughs> Come on, Stan. So all all the pictures of him wearing Nike are all over the newspapers and Deodora just said, sorry, Stan, you broke your contract. End of. Um, I think he was earning about 250 grand a year, which back in the day, five, five grand a week. Did that affect him again? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's something else, you know. Yeah. Again, then there's then afterwards, you know, I need to comment on it. You know, why did you let Stan wear Nikes when you know he's sponsored by Deodora? You know, suddenly it's it's down to me. And again, it's more more problems to deal with, you know. And you want a happy life, you know. So so yeah. So the we parted our way. We parted ways in the end. You know, he went went across to Leicester. I mean, York. He was a different kind of problem for yeah. you because Yorkie was doing well for you. Oh, Yorkie was outstanding. The biggest, the, the reason I had a problem with Yorkie, um, he, he actually said, I don't want to play for Villa anymore. He actually used that phrase, this, that and the other. Everything was about going to United and Mark Bosnich was at United and that's his big mate, you mm. know, so there was a lot of, there was a lot of stuff going on behind, behind closed doors, you know, with Bozzy and, uh, and Yorkie. So I know that, Alex was speaking to Bozzy and Bozzy was speaking to, to Yorkie. And it's not a problem. It goes on in football. It's not a problem. But the biggest thing for me was I'm losing my best player. Simple as that. Nothing to do with the money, nothing to do with anything else. I don't want to lose this guy. When I came in, we played, we had 11 matches left to play and we won nine of them. And Yorkie was outstanding. Outstanding. We played at Goodison Park. He, he scored twice at Goodison. He was scoring every other week. Last match of the season, Penanke, Chip, Seaman. But he was only Yorkie could do that. He was he was brilliant. But what about this for a quote, Johnny? Go on. If I had a gun, I would have shot him. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Is that how you felt though at the time well, when he? <laughs> yeah, he's, he kept obviously kept talking about United. I, I'd. We'd had a, an offer of eight million for Yorkie, which Doug would have fucking taken straight away. <laughs> and I kept saying, no, 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 he's not going. Basically, he's not going. I can't lose this player. He's a brilliant player. He is as he is my team. Everything we built it, we built we built a team and we're still building a team around him. So I couldn't I couldn't let Yorkie go. And um Alex had been on. I spoke to Alex two or three times. He started offering me some of his squad players, you know, he was trying to trying to move them on. I'll give you this, this, and this, and you give me your key, and we'll give you three million quid or something. You know, not interested. He's not going. I can't lose this guy. He's a great player. <laughs> He's a great player. So it went on and on, and and first league match of the new season. This is now my 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 team. You know, we started a new season. We drew nil nil at Everton, and he never moved an inch. Honestly, Yorkie. He sulked for 90 minutes. He was a pain in the ass for 90 minutes. Obviously, it's part of his plan. <laughs> and it was just coming towards the end of August. So the, the August transfer window would close on the last day of the month of August. And he didn't move an inch. So um, played Everton on the, on the Saturday. And on the Monday, he came into my office. And uh, that's when he said, he said that word, those words to me. I don't want to play for Villa anymore. 
and I was in, I was really insulted because this is my club now, you know. I know you've got your villa hat on. Can you see it from his point of view? No. No. I can see it from my point of view. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. you know, when you had that opportunity to go to Villa from Wickham. Yeah. And yeah, you're wandering around the streets, you can't yeah. sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Dwight York's there at that point for him. Yeah. His point of view. Yeah. Took him a while to get going at United, didn't it? Yeah. Were you in the tra travel next year? <laughs> no, it was that, it was that season. <laughs> it was that. It was that season they won the treble. So can you, from his point of view? Yeah, yeah, I could. But it's um, so involved in everything that went on at the club. And I, this was now my third stint there. You know, I've been there as a player and as, as a coach and now the manager. And... Um, I was just really insulted that he could he could say that. <laughs> I don't want to play. You don't want to play Aston Villa? Crazy. This is on Sky Sports News, you know. The, the, if yeah, I had going to shoot him. If he had a gun, he wouldn't have got that. But that's how I felt. <laughs> you got 12 million for him. 12.6 million. With that, you signed Dion and Mercer. And Merce, yeah. That must have been a pin mm. pinching moment in itself, going from mm. Wickham, mm. like you said, sh shoestrings, and then all of a sudden you've got these budgets to play with. The money side of things was uh, was a kind of big shock to me because even as a coach, as the first thing, I didn't really know what they were on. What story? There was um, I was I was the coach, first team coach of Villa. We're in the home dressing room. Uh, we had a, we had a match on the Saturday, so we're in the home dressing room, and and the following Saturday we got a free weekend. It's international weekend or, or whatever. So I'm like first team coach. I'm on a thousand pound a week as first team coach, fifty grand a year. Company car, all the bits and pieces, as many Muller yogurts as you fucking want. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm sat there and... Um, all the flavours. All the flavours, <laughs> yeah, all the flavours, especially strawberry. I used to have loads of that. Uh, I'm in the bath. We had a big jacuzzi bath. <laughs> Full of yoghurt. <laughs> so, so we sat sat there and it's big, Gareth Southgate, Andy Townsend and me. So I'm sat in a bath. I'm on a thousand pound a week, and I thought I was doing okay. They're obviously earning more than me, much more than me. And he says to Gareth, "What are you up to this week?" And he went, um, "I don't know really. Um, not a lot. We're fixed up to go away. What about you?" And Andy says, "I'm going to Disneyland," and I've gone, "You going fucking where? <laughs> You're going to Disneyland? What? What? America?" He said, "No, no, Disneyland Paris." I said, oh, all oh, right, okay. So we, he fly, take, take the missus and the kids and that. He says, yeah, yeah. So well, you fly across then? And he went, no, no, we, we're actually getting the Eurostar. We're going across on the train and da-da-da and this, that and the other. And, yeah, all this is sorted. And I've gone, fucking hell, I'm going to fucking Disneyland, Jesus. And then Andy says to Gareth, what are you doing, Gareth? He said, um, we're going to New York. I've gone, fucking New York? <laughs> <laughs> fucking New York? <laughs> And he said, yeah, so Andy said, are you going on Concord? And he went, no, no. He said, we tried to book Concord. He said, but they're, uh, they're full, so we're just going on a normal. So business class, obviously. So I've gone, fucking Concord. <laughs> and I said, when we had a few days off, we go to the mother-in-laws. <laughs> Which you did. You go you take the kids to see the mother-in-law. You, know, you had a couple of days off. And <laughs> You might get fish and chips or something like that. They're <laughs> flying up there, and, and suddenly the the money thing come to me. You know, they're at the time they're earning like three, four grand a week, which was a huge amount mm. of money back in back in those times. And you could 
fly to New York. And you could travel to Disney World Paris, you know, because uh, of the money that are on. And that, that was when the money thing starts to kick in. And you just realise, you know, footballers today, my God, they're earning staggering amounts of money. Mark Bosnich's last year with us, in his, in his, he signed a four-year deal, I think, in his last year, he was getting nine grand a week, which I was still earning a thousand pound a week. He was as the first team coach, but he was earning nine grand a week, which was incredible amount of money at that time when most most players were earning two, three grand a week. Bozzy was on nine grand a week and it was massive. There can't be many um, other industries where the, the workers are getting more than the boss. No, true. That true, dressing room, it almost separates in two. So you had the boys about town, I'm guessing mm. Hendry, Crouch. I didn't have Crouch. I didn't have Crouch. Crouch wasn't there. No, no. Um, but then you had the other side of it, like Dion, Southgate, Yeah, Ian when they Taylor. started coming in, when, when the likes of Dion came in, obviously, as you said earlier, we used the money from Yorkie with uh, with Merson. Merson was the first one in. How was he with you? He was brilliant on a match day. He was fantastic on a match day. Usually the best player. I didn't know the extent of, of the problems that he was having, you know, off the field. He, he'd come in, he was, he was in my office every day. He'd always come and see me about something or other. Something weren't right, something moaning, always moaning about something. Can I have a week on Thursday off because I'm whatever, you know, it was all the, yeah, it's never a problem, Paul, whatever you want to do. Because, again, on a Saturday he was brilliant. Good trainer, always up and down with his personality, depending on how much he'd lost the day before. But I didn't know the extent of it. I didn't know how bad it was. When he came and negotiated, when he first came down from Middlesbrough, his agent came with him, obviously, and, and told us that he was earning... A con it just signed a new contract in Middlesbrough, believe it or not, and that he was earning this, this and this over the next three three years. And he lied because he wanted to get the same from Villa. He wanted us to pay a million first year, 1.1, 1.2, 1.3, 1.4, five-year deal. He was on a million pounds a year for four years. So it was bullshit. <laughs> so I said to his agent, you made me look a fucking complete brick in, in front of my board because I've told him. You told me this, so I've told them. Anyway, he said, he said he's got a few debts, a few gambling debts, so he's just trying to get an extra few quid. One day he came in, he came in to see me, and he said, "Why have we got a day off tomorrow?" And I said, "Well, you need a day off." I said, "We've had three games in ten days or something, you know." I said, "All the boys need a bit of a breather." Even we shut the kitchen. We used to shut the all the staff to stay at home and shut the kitchen and everything. Everyone get out. And we'll have a day off or two days off. So anyway, he said, I don't need a day off. So I said, well, what? What's what? He said, you know, you, three weeks ago, you gave us a day off. He said, I had £7,000 bet on the Indonesian Tennis Open final. And I said, Jesus. and I said, right. And he said, I didn't even know who the two players were. And he said, I, because I had a day off, I had nothing to do. I ended up I'm losing seven, seven grand. He said, it lost. So... Why are you giving me a day off tomorrow? And suddenly it, it you kind of realise, I mean, this is this is a serious problem he's got here. And I at can't that treat time, in that era, was there mm. any support for you there in dealing with those issues, which no. you've never had to come across? You, you know, we talked about Stan there. No. Talk, talked about Paul. The, these aren't things that you're qualified to deal with. No, no, not in the slightest. And and you kind of you kind of dealt with them as as best as you could but as I 
said when I spoke about Stan, I spoke about mental mental health issues. It's not something that you've been exposed I've, to. I've never before. I've never had that problem. You can only go off your personal experiences. Yeah, really. And, the, and exposure to the mental health issues that people have and, wasn't and as prevalent. No, then. no. Uh, uh, and and I didn't really give it. I didn't give it the time of day. I just couldn't understand. Like I said earlier, you know, you, you, what you got a problem earning twenty grand a week, driving around in that beautiful car you got, and. Mm. But it's how do you look at Tyson house. Fury? You look at Tyson Fury, the most successful mm. boxer of all time. Any money, money isn't an issue. No, no, no. And he wanted, he wanted to end it all. How do you look at that? I know. From no, your point I, of view, can you not get your head around it? I find it difficult because I just look around and see other people that have got no life at all, no life, and I just think, how can, how can you complain about your life when you compare it to some of these other people? And I just... I mean, at that time, I mean, that's how I've been brought up, man. I'm yeah. 69 mm -hmm. years old, you know. I'm, my generation, we're brought up. You know, Any problems, it's you're a geezer, you need to look after yourself, mate, you know. Yeah. No one else is going to look after you. Yeah, and I think it's very, very much seen as an illness now, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like if you've got yeah. a problem with your heart, your, your any organ. Organs, yeah. yeah. Do you still lose and, sleep over the not giving you five million for, is it? <laughs> um, to no, buy, is it? I, I, I still... I still suffer a bit from the FA Cup final, losing, losing to Chelsea one 0 And maybe I wasn't courageous enough with the team, you know, with the maybe the substitutions, maybe the tactics, you know, should have really gone. We were a team at the time. We were very fit. We 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 had a lot of energy. The team had a lot of energy. We won a lot of games in the second half. You know, um, we could come back from being behind. There was the famous one of, of beating Arsenal at home. We were 2-0 down at half-time. Bergkamp and Anelka. Um, and we turned around and we we scored three in the second half. They were the champions of England. We beat them 3-2 at Villa Park. And, and because of our energy and our strength and desire, we had a lot of really play, good players that that never gave up, you know. And, and I think that's how I always felt as, as a manager. Um... And in the, in the final, I thought if we're nil nil half time, we've got him. We'll kick on, and we'll be better. We were one nil down though at half time, and uh, or were we? No, I think we were nil nil at half time. Yeah. But anyway, we uh, I always felt we we would win games in the last twenty minutes because of our energy that we had and the fitness levels we had and the desire that remained in the team. We just didn't kick on that game. We just didn't kick on and it haunted me to be honest and stayed with me for a long time and the thing was you arrange a, a dinner that night a special dinner on the off chance of a win a thinking you know you're going to celebrate and we'd had a, a parade around the city of Birmingham on the, on the Sunday that had been organised that we still did by the way you know you think yeah. what could have been yeah. at that stage uh, so, so reflection. things like that stay with you and, and obviously I was to blame and I still am. I was never able to go back and say, well, you know, yeah. it is a Champions League spot or or something. Mm -hmm. of a bit more context on the, is it one? You went top of the league, didn't you? Went top of the league against Bolton. On the Saturday, we were 2-1 two, two down at Bolton. We won 3-2, went top late October, last Saturday of October. And I wanted Muzzy, is it? Yeah. And is it was at Leicester. Leicester were in free fall. They were in the, I think they were either bottom or in the bottom three. We were top. Uh, Peter Taylor, I think, had just been fired at mm -hmm. Leicester. And I think 
you remember the central defender, Jerry Taggart? Yeah. I think he might have been caretaker manager or something at the time. <laughs> um, and they were in a mess. And I just, I knew Muzzy quite well. I knew I could get him out of there. And I went to see Doug and it was the first time he ever said no. He'd never said no before. And um, he was going to be five million quid. And he said to me, okay, so we sign him. Where's he going to play Saturday? I said, he ain't going to play. He'd sit on the bench. And it was almost like, but John, you, you're top of the league. You don't need any more players. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, uh, and, and I said, but he'd sit on the bench. And I said, you, that 11 on the pitch is suddenly going to run around a lot more because Muzzy is sat there waiting to come on. And, it, and he's going to take somebody's place eventually. Um, and he said no. So I called a board meeting. I wanted a board meeting the next day. So the other members of the board came and I said the same thing, that I wanted to buy Muzzy, is it? And they just said no. Was that the beginning of the end for you? That was, hang on a minute. I'm fucking, I'm flogging myself to death in, in every facet of this club trying to take us forward, trying to, trying to get in that Champions League. And the Champions League at the time didn't have four teams and it was it was about to change to four teams. And we can get in that. We, we, we can challenge. We're now top. We can challenge uh, Arsenal. We can challenge Manchester United. We can challenge Chelsea. They were the three of our biggest opponents. And uh, I wanted to drag us in into, into the Champions League. Leeds, of course, were around at the time, spending mm. huge amounts of money trying to get in the Champions League. Uh, and and they wouldn't do it. And I I just felt so deflated by it, you know. They don't want it as badly as I do. Time for a message from one of our favourites, gentlemen. This part of the podcast sponsored by, there it is, Beer 52. You right beauty. This morning. You beauty. Do you want to have a butcher's in the box? Yeah, we'll let's have a, have a What have we got? The opening, those who don't know who Beer 52 are, they're the number one craft beer Subscription. Club. And is club. it, correct us if I'm wrong, is it Oktoberfest? It was Oktoberfest in October, surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're looking for some nice beers in for over Christmas, they're doing an Oktoberfest special. Some of the best beers from Oktoberfest. At your house for Christmas. Oh, it's the Oktoberfest magazine. So yes. every box, you get the Ferment magazine, don't yep. you? What else have we got in there? These are the ones for you, John. Snacks galore. Perfect. Look at that. Easy living. Session IPA. We've got a Crew Republic as well. Drunk Sailor, Indian Pale Ale. Just a quick one, Chris. Do we have an offer? Of course we have an offer. All you've got to do is pay £5.95 and you will get eight craft beers on your doorstep, absolutely free, just by paying that five pound ninety five postage. And you can, if you don't, if you don't like them, like because there's some dark ones, isn't there? If you don't like the dark ones, you can go for the lighter option. Yeah, you can just say, "I want the light. I'm not into dark stuff. I like the I like the light ones." Mm. And they'll they'll only send you the light ones then. So, um, and if you, for whatever reason, you want to pause or cancel, just get in touch. Call them, pause or cancel at any time. All you got to do is go to www.beer. 52, that's the word beer and the number 52.com slash kosh. Forward slash. Forward kosh. slash kosh. And you'll get those free beers on your doorstep, just a £5.95 postage. Was it They've something always... you said to your missus about there's no, the only way from Villa is down? Yeah. I just said we were at Villa, obviously in, in the job. And, um, you know, everything's go, going great. We were always challenging at the top. And uh, 
I said to her one day, uh, you know, it's all downhill after this. Once you leave Aston Villa, it'll all be downhill. And it has been, to be honest. <laughs> well, it has. It has. I mean, it's... Well, I was going to say, I mean, <clears throat> if you thought you carried a bit of timber, John, during your playing time, you'd have had I no chance it. with... I fucking very sure I did. You'd have had no chance with John because uh, David Ginola got a Mr. Blobby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. He was in the marathon, was he? <laughs> He weren't in the marathon. <laughs> yeah, he could have been. Is that when he took any score and took his shirt off? Yeah, yeah, against Man City. Yeah. He, he equalised in the... Was it just a case of just giving him a bit more? I was asked a question in a press conference about David. It looked, uh, it looked like last week, his shorts looked a little bit tight on him last week, John. It's insinuating that, you know, he's putting on a bit of weight. And uh, he said, yeah, his shorts looked a little bit tight on him last week, John. Um, how is his weight at the moment? Um, is he fit as a butcher's dog? And I said, well, it depends which butcher you shop at, to be <laughs> honest. And uh, which, of course, made a quote the next day. It was in the sun or something. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, David scored on the Saturday and took off his shirt. And He'd had an extra six minutes on the sun better yeah. now. Yeah. He's looking oh, yeah. really well. <laughs> He'd gone for a run, I think, that morning. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so... Yeah, there was that quote that came out about him, but uh, again, he was another one that I I got him just at the towards the end of his career. Tail end. It, it, yeah. Um, but Doug met him the year. Doug had met him in Mauritius the year before and f fell in love with him. Absolutely. <laughs> he'd have been looking. He'd have been looking fantastic in Mauritius. Oh, he fell in love with him, and he yeah. he he sat and he had supper with him or something. And then by the end of the night, it was about twenty people had all come around and sat with David and. He just wanted. To, he wanted me to he sign him. For him he wanted me to sign him. Um, um, uh, at the time, at the time, he off. He Doug ended up negotiating the salary with him it was far and beyond what anyone else at the club was earning. And Merson found out about it, and then obviously Merson wants the same money. <laughs> it's your fault. It's causing problems. So, so yeah. So, um, but yeah, Doug. And 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 in a way, the reason that I agreed to it in the end was it was kind of. Well, you can have Ginola or nobody. Mm. You know, you kind of get that feeling. And I think maybe I can get the best out of David as a as a man, as a person. Sat here with you would absolutely love him. Would we fall in love with him? Oh man! It, well, maybe not sure about that bit. But, <laughs> no, you 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 you'd love it. You right. love it how he is. I mean, he's very articulate. Uh, yeah. He's very interesting. Um, the women. Like, he used he used to come on for the last five minutes and get man of the match. Because <laughs> the sponsor's wife wanted to meet him. <laughs> That's usually what it was. He'd come on honestly for five minutes and they'd say, Man, today's man of the match is David Ginola. <laughs> and the crowd would laugh. The whole stadium would start laughing, you know, because he'd only been on five minutes, touched the ball twice, you know. But yeah, he was one of them that I thought maybe I might be able to get bit more out bit of him more. than other managers. You know, you mentioned that first season about you didn't have a new contract about getting into Europe and then you got to Europe. Yeah. Is is it right that you went up to the, when you won the Intertotal Cup? Yes, I'm going to sat next to him. Ginola, funnily enough, scored the fourth goal against Basel. We're now winning 5-2 on aggregate, so we're going to win. So in my contract, I got £150,000 uh, pay increase, three grand a week pay increase if we qualify for the UEFA Cup. So by winning the Intertoto Cup, we qualified for the UEFA Cup. So I went and went down and sat next to him for the first time ever in like four years. And he said, oh, hello. Hello, Brian. 
<laughs> John. John. Oh, John. Yes, hello, John. Everything all right? I said, good, that, winning the cup and all that shit. And now we qualify for UEFA. He said, yes, it's great, isn't it? And I think he was totally unaware of the fact that he was now going to have to pay me an extra three grand a week, which was, a, I mean, three grand a week back in those days was a lot of money. How long did it take him to realise? Uh, a long time. <laughs> he, I don't think he ever realised, but... <laughs> But Doug was, I mean, listen, I've got a million stories about he's just, uh, everything was about money and, and saving money, you know. And Did you change the dates on the chocolates? Yes. Did you what? We used to have um, <laughs> in the hospitality suites and because and, you know at Villa there's there's quite a few restaurants on a match day where you can eat and, and we always had these little chocolates uh, in, a, in a gold wrapping with a, with an Aston Villa wrapping over the top, bad you know the Villa badge on it, and on the back of it was best before, and a date. So, and we had about a thousand of these 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 chocolates, and best before, and the date was two thousand. It was now two thousand and one. So obviously they're out of date. So he got there was an intern at the club, and. She had to sit down with a gold pen because it was in gold writing and change the 2000 to 2002. She used to have to put a little two on the end. <laughs> so you on, on every chocolate? On every chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when you picked up the chocolate, they weren't out of date. They're obviously, there's still another year. There's still another year for them to run. But yeah, she always did that. Anything, anything, anything to save money. Anything to save money. It was all, everything was regarding money. But. We were never in debt, yeah. and we would have never got relegated under under Ellis if Ellis had been the owner. The year we were, <coughs> we got relegated to the championship, that would never have happened. He would have he would have made sure he made the right appointment at the right time and made sure we'd stayed up in the Premier League. Did you have yeah. regrets about leaving Villa? In the yeah, we were seventh in the Premier League. Yeah, and I went to see Doug and Steve and told them I wanted to leave. And, and when um, I was a bit disillusioned uh, with with Arsenal had just built a new training ground, twenty million, and I looked at our training ground and it was brilliant in nineteen seventy five. And <laughs> Doug used to argue with me. He said, "Yes, but Bill Shankly said it's the best training ground he's ever seen." <laughs> I said, "Yeah, that was in nineteen seventy five. It's fucking two thousand and one now. You know what I mean? It's, it was." That, that, that's um, that's how it was in 1975. It was unheard of. It was unheard of to have your own training facilities, you know. You normally train in the parks and God knows. It was a big decision at the time, and uh, but I just felt it was the right thing to do. I'm assuming your stock was very high, though, with you being seven. Yeah. Were you thinking it won't be too long until I get the call? Yeah, I was hoping that maybe something – I mean, obviously I get told lots of stories since that these were watching you and that was watching you and – um, Fergie actually said to me one day, he said, you know, we were looking at you. Man, he said, I know that, you know, Man United, I, you know, me thinking about how much longer I'm going to go on and Newcastle were quite keen, I think, keeping an eye on the situation. But I ended up going to Derby, of course, which was my uh, old club as a player, which I had lots of fond memories. I remember but, Malcolm yeah. saying, Martin Christie, that if you came in earlier... yeah. You just you just stayed up. Yeah, I was told I was going to get ten million to spend. In two thousand two, was a lot of money. Ten million was a lot of money. I went in and uh, there wasn't any money to spend. 
they were 30 million in debt. <laughs> Doesn't sound a lot, but in 2002, 30 million was a lot of money. And the owner, Lionel Pickering, was a massive Derby fan all his life. He was pumping in money week after week. Um, <clears throat> and in the end, they couldn't pay the salaries. And, you know, we were having to refer our salaries, just taking a proportion of it and referring the rest. And, you know, you'll get that when we, hopefully, when we stay up and all that kind of thing. It was unbelievable. And the thing is, I at Villa Park, I, I knew, I, I at the job, I knew everybody at the club. Everybody, I knew, I knew the 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 office staff. I knew everybody because we were all part of a team, you know. We all you all play your mm. parts, no matter how small it was. And obviously, I went into Derby, and it was God. It was just such a mess. Everything was in a mess. We owed everybody, everybody. And we, then obviously, eventually, we couldn't pay the players. We couldn't pay the players, which uh, was a huge problem. They've obviously had it again since, haven't they? Yeah. Um, but no, so that was a hell of a mess. Their wage bill was bigger than Villa's. Wow. You know? Ravinelli yeah. being there, was it? Yeah, Ravinelli was there earning stacks of money. I imagine he was another one wandering around the training field. Yeah, <laughs> I found him okay. I found him all right. He, you know, if if you treated him well and, and and put on good sessions and this, that and the other, he, he was he was fine. Yeah. He was fine, but he was taking so much money out of the place and as everybody else was, there was people not even in the first team, you know, earning 15, 20 grand a week. I think two years after I left, the financial director at the club who worked there seven days a week went to prison because he was got caught with his fingers in the till. So we are. <laughs> this is how bad it was. And the owner rarely came into the club, only on a match day. He kind of, I don't think he knew what was going on there half the time. Do you regret taking it? That in turn... You know, I regret leaving Villa, um, yeah. but I regret taking it because, you know, as you know, in in the end, they uh, suspended me and fired me. And there was a court case that followed yeah. that. Were you not allowed? We didn't, we, we didn't go not... to court though. Oh, did you not? They, they, there was a clause. I had a two million pound clause in my contract. If they broke it before a certain date, they got to pay me two million pounds. Right. And they did. They broke it. So they should have to pay me two million. And they come up with all these stupid, you know, walking on the cracks in the pavement and what reasons for walking around with a you know with a with an outrageous shirt. <laughs> they just <laughs> they just made up all these all these stupid <laughs> accusations, you know. Um what is reasons to sack you? Yeah. Uh it never went to court though and they settled out. Right. And were you were they, you able to get a job straight after or no. I tell you what I did, they they obviously they should have to pay me two million quid. Yeah. And I, I knew the finances were shocking at the club. And I said, look, give me a million quid. I'll let you off. Give me a million quid instead of two million. Give me one million pounds. You owe me two million. Technically, you've got to pay me two million and you will have to pay me. If this goes to court, they got no chance. A few days before we were due to go to court, they settled up. They said that they agreed to it. How long was that after you that left? about 18 months after I left. And the million pounds that they had to pay me in compensation we i allowed them to pay it over five years they had to pay me a hundred thousand pounds every six months for five years and you know i was i was as good as i could be to them to be honest 
Yeah, so for five years, basically, I, I knew I had a couple of quid coming in. Was a lot of it though? Did you think like it's a lot of eighteen months out the game? Yeah, completely. I fell off the radar a little forgot. bit. Which, which I didn't. I ended up going back into QPR two thousand and six. I left Derby in two thousand three. So, um, so you wanting to get back, and are you thinking? I tell oh you, oh no, I was desperate to get back. Was you? Yeah. Oh right. God, I'm too young, you know. And yeah. Uh, and I was just thinking, you know, fuck what I had, what yeah. I had in the palm of my hands, you know, and I fucking blew it. I threw it away really um, when I left Villa, uh, and then walked into Derby and uh, up to their neck in it. I'll just tell you one quick story. On the Monday, we played on the Saturday, and. I've picked a team to play on the Saturday, my first game. So I picked a team and I picked a, a boy called Lee Morris, left winger. He scores the winner just before halftime, puts us 1-0 up. We win the game 1-0. Gone training Monday morning. After, afternoon, I go down the ground. Go down to, I've got an office at the, at the stadium, so I go down the stadium. And I'm in the reception area and this bloke walks in, shirt and tie, blazer. I looked at the blazer, Sheffield United. I said, oh, can I help you? He said, um, I've come to get my check. So I've gone, come on, what's that for? I mean, what? I said, have you won something? <laughs> I think, thinking, he come to get his check, you must have won something. I think maybe he won the raffle or something. <laughs> so he says, um, he said, no, Lee Morris. He played his 25th game for you on Saturday. I said, yeah, and he scored the winner. He said, yeah, he said, um, so you owe us 250000 Oh, no. And I said, what, what's that? He said, no, he said, you, because that was his 25th match. When he was transferred, when he plays 25 games, you have to pay us 250 grand. And I went, well, it's nothing to do with me. <laughs> Not my problem. <laughs> Not my problem. <laughs> my favourite saying. Yeah, so anyway, uh, I said, chief, chief exec, second door on the right, go and see him. He'll, he'll sort you out. So obviously, no one had been playing Lee Morris because they've got to pay 250 grand. But so that's why he wasn't playing. communicated that with you. No one said a word. Even even when I sort of picked the team, no one said a word. Did you enjoy your time abroad? Loved it. Some places better than others. Um, it was the only avenue left to me, right. I think. Going from what I had here, obviously I, it was after QPR. Yeah, it was really the only the only thing. England had finished for me, really. I think everyone had turned their back. Why? Didn't really want to get involved with me. Yeah. And, why, why? It's strange that. No, it's well, it's, it's Doug wasn't that complimentary to me after I left. I know that he went around a few boardrooms and they asked about me and he sort of warned them off, you know, don't go there. But it didn't seem like you had that bad of a relationship. No, 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 it was okay. The relationship was okay. I mean, I I, I publicly spoke about him and not too nice terms yeah. I would say <laughs> through the media um, a couple of times you know I, I went a little bit too far than I should have done but I always thought you know that I wanted to say it how it was mm. you know and did you feel like it was that kind of mafia thing when you've upset somebody yeah within the game yeah your cards marked yeah but I think somebody who holds a lot of power within yeah I think but I think it was you know it was other people that probably didn't like me that much for the way that I spoke and maybe some of the times I spoke, you know, other chairmen would read that I'd slagged off my chairman. Yeah. And they'd think, well, I don't want him coming here and <laughs> having a dig at me. He doesn't seem like the kind of person that I'd get on with maybe, mm. you know, so which I did. I mean, 
I spoke to the Sunday... Joe Lovejoy? No. Uh, I won't forget his name, but I, I sat... He came to my office one day and I sat in the office at Villa and I was telling a few stories about Doug and that, you know, and I presumed it was all off the record and he put it all in the, oh, no. in the Sunday Times. And, of course, my chairman read it all and called me up to his office and, what's this, what's this, did you say this, did you say that? And of course, I had to admit all of it. Yep. And he kind of warned, warned me about my future conduct and all that, you know, but... Just shows the power they've got, though, in at these chairmen. Well, yeah. What would you want your players to say about you? You know, because I know Collie Moore's uh, come out and said that you were the best coach manager he worked under. Yeah. I, I kind of, uh, I still wanted to be one of the boys, you know. I was a player. I knew how I'd want to be treated. Um, and I kind of wanted to treat my players, whoever they were, in, in the same manner. But if you ain't prepared to work hard and, and, and work hard like the rest of them do, then fuck off, go somewhere yeah. else. Bobby, Bobby Robson said that to me many years ago. If you've got a problem in your dressing room, get rid of it. Let somebody else have the problem. <laughs> Bobby Robson said that to me many years ago. And did that stick that with you right the way through? That me a long time, yeah. With Stan in particular, because obviously the quality that the qualities that he had, he should have done better with them. He should, I mean, he should have had 70, 80 caps for England. On his day, he was a, he was an incredible player, and I only got that I got that about two or three times mm. out of probably twenty matches. What uh, was the crack Jamie Proctor said about the Turkish baths? Well, I was at massages. Yeah. Ma ma massages, yeah. Uh, what well, uh, you used to give the players the massage uh, at Derby under Coxie, Arthur Cox. You play three games in a week or something like that, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, or whatever. Um, and Monday Monday morning you come in, obviously like stiff as a board, or whatever. After training, you come back, it'd be, it'd be massage for everybody. Soap a soap massage. So you go into the bathroom, get a couple of, you know, the bench the benches, the medical benches. Yeah. Put them in there, and there'd be Gordon Guthrie, the physio, Roy McFarland, assistant manager, and Arthur Cox, manager. That was the staff. <laughs> That was in the rooms. No, but that, no, no. What I'm saying is that that was the staff. Three people. That's all we we had. Three members of staff. No one else. Three members of staff, and they ran the first team and the reserves. Those those three people. And anyway, we go in, and it would be soap massage. So after training, you go in there, and you go in there, obviously with a pair of pants on, and you had to lay on the bed, and you get a bucket of water, chuck it over you, hot water. Chuck it over you and then start the soap massage, bar of soap, couple of bars of soap. And the manager would, would the manager would give you the massage. And there was no there was no gay thoughts or anything <laughs> like that. I mean, there was, there was no, none of that whatsoever. Gaffer. <laughs> Gaffer. Gaffer. Steady on. Oh, oh. So no, I mean it was just like geezers together. You know? <laughs> and it it the manager would give you soap massages. And and um he used to think, fuck me, you know, this is the gaffer and this is the manager of the club. And he's, he's getting you ready for either Wednesday night or, or, or the following weekend or whatever. Give me some massages. We might have done them at Crawley. I can't. Must have done because yeah. Jamie said. Yeah, I might have done that. That's where I took it from. I took yeah. it from Arthur. He spoke very highly of you as a, a manager and as a man. Mm. Uh, but he, he, he did say he used to enjoy you standing on the halfway line, mm. stirring out the opposition before the game. Oh, yeah. Is that. Definitely. Something that you... I used to, uh, I remember we, when Brian, when I was working with Brian Little, he was a manager and we'd go out and the two teams were in the tunnel and I was a bit of a 
you know, I was first team coach, so I could get away with it. And I used to say, oh, lads, get plenty of fucking cross. This keeper's fucking useless. <laughs> you know, and he's, he, he stood where you are, like, <laughs> two yards away. I said, he's fucking useless. And the left back, fuck me, he's so fucking slow. <laughs> get it out of Stoney or whatever and make sure he takes him on. And, uh, yeah, so I used to... I used to be very Little psychological wins. Yeah, just in the in the tunnel, and you think the goalie's thinking, oh, "Fuck me, he knows I'm shit on crosses." <laughs> <laughs> anything, anything, just to get that little gain and advantage somewhere. Yeah, so yeah, we used to, that. used to happen a lot, and I did it with, with Crawley. You know, you stay. I actually got Jack Grealish taken off once. He was on loan at Notts County, from Villa. So this would be about 2014. He must have been about 19 at the time, something like 18, 19. Anyway, so he's playing for Notts County. So Grealish is playing. I'm on the I'm on the I'm in the dugout. And whenever he came near me, I said, fucking Jack Grealish, Aston Villa. Fucking rubbish. No wonder they've fucking sent you out to Notts County. <laughs> fucking just sorry, I'm right in his ear. <laughs> So whenever he come in front of me, I said, fuck, you call yourself a fucking Villa player? No wonder they don't fucking want you up there, let you out on loan, getting into him. They take him off, substitute him. <laughs> and he went home and told his dad. He went home and told his dad, and his dad spoke to one of my friends. I can't think who it was. He spoke to one of my friends said, hey, what about your mate Gregory having a pop at my dad? So my mate said, took him off though, didn't they? <laughs> As if he's gone home to his dad. Yeah, he's gone home to his dad. He's gone home to his dad. Nasty manager. <laughs> Growling. So, yeah, I do, I do remember that. I do remember that, yeah. So, um, yeah, any any of that, any verbals, I mean. Did you used to like getting sturgeon. into Wenger and when you were at, at the villa? Getting into him? Just, yeah, little mind games and no, anything like that. No, I can't like remember that. sort of ever saying anything to him. And Alex, I was just scared of Fergie, so I wouldn't say nothing to him. <laughs> he, he came to Villa Park once. League Cup match, and um, he played. I think it was Ronnie Johnson. Played. He played him as a centre half that night, and we were. I think we went one nil up at half time. And I don't know if you remember the old Villa Park before they changed that main stand, Trinity Road stand. The steps down to the pitch. There was about fucking hundred steps that went from the tunnel. When you went into the tunnel, you had to climb up like about three fucking floors, and. Fergie started on Ronnie Johnson. He met him at the bottom of the stairs, half time, and he just slaughtered him all the way up these stairs to the top of the stairs. He was, you ever gonna head a fucking ball? And <laughs> you ever gonna do this? You're fucking shit. I'll be fucking sending you back and all this. And I'm thinking, fuck me. No one's ever spoke to me like that before, you know. <laughs> that's how he was, yeah. But no, I was very, um, I respected Fergie enormously for what he, even, even, in 2000, you know, it just won the uh, won the treble in 99. So um, it sort of sent a ben benchmark for everybody to try and follow. Uh, and he was just he was just the, the best at that particular time, I think. So I had huge respect for him. So, no, I was nervous of him being in this <laughs> company. What does the uh, the future hold? Would you be going back? No. Get back in? No, I don't think so. It, abroad? I mean, maybe abroad. I mean, I still get the calls and that, you know, to go to various places, but 
You don't seem as enthusiastic about no. managing now. No, as I would. You did look, looking back. At the, no, the no. I, I just think it, it comes with time and age. You know, I'm 69 now. People yeah. look. People look at CVs. Good for six, I didn't realize you're no, 69. 69, yeah. 1954. Yeah, I don't uh, think it's time to chill out now, isn't it? Yeah, it's gone beyond anything I'd ever thought it ever would for myself. You know, just when when we first sort of started out. And the association with Villa has remained really, you know, since since I left, which is um, which is which is quite special in many respects. I still go up and do sort of one night stands and that, you know, do a Villa night. I've got a few of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long time since I've been there. Do you know a lads who are coming out of the game now? Would you recommend going into coaching and management? Yeah, oh, definitely. But prepare yourself. We we spoke earlier of people that have just suddenly gone straight in mm. it. You think you know what you don't you don't know honestly you don't know you don't know what goes on what goes on in your life you know your life changes you just I mean I, I whilst I was working I'd sit there watching a movie on a Saturday night you know at home we just got beat and it finishes and it'd be like oh what do you think of that then and I think oh what happened you know it's like <laughs> your brain's elsewhere uh, no I'm just thinking about training the next day yeah. or fuck me we lost um, shit I'm gonna have to make some changes next week. You know, on the on the winning side, like I said earlier, you know, you're ten times better mm. than than when you were a player. Ten times better, and it lasts for a couple of hours Saturday night, and then you switch over. You're you're ready for next week. You're thinking, oh shit, where are we going next week? You've already started thinking about training tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever. Um, and 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 the whole job just takes over your life, hundred mm. percent. See, that's why I. That's why it'd never be for me. No, yeah. no, never fancy. You've got this job, haven't you, John? Sat here in your pants, no socks and shoes on. <laughs> why would you need to do it? Exactly. <laughs> well, cheers, John. Yeah, thank you for coming on. on. Incredible Very story. Much appreciate appreciate it. sharing it with us. Yeah, good. Cheers, thank you. Mr. John Gregory, what about the massages? I think we should do that. Bit of team bonding, massage each other. I don't know where I got. I, I think I said Turkish baths at the start, was, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, but it was. And the colour drained out soap, your cheeks. It was a soapy one. Was it? Yeah, because if you had one of them talking no. Turkish, I've when, had when one I went Turkey, it's yeah. quite nice, isn't it? Yeah. Is it like mud? The mud bath? Oh, no, it's just bubbles. Suds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they end up like just wanging buckets of red hot water on yeah. you. Yeah. Perfect. So do you open then? I, th I think if we're going to do it, just massages. I'm not bothered about getting each other lubed up and that. Oh, I, well, I want oil in. Are you? Yeah. Well, best butter on my back. <laughs> Look like a fucking dear chicken. <laughs> in the oven. No, I'm not. Have you I'm, never I'm... had a, a manager massage you? I can't say I have. No. Nah. I think I might have you had... You used to old squad. I've had a man, like, feel your leg and that. It must have treatment table. No. Nah. That'd be all right, that. Well, Saunders used to do what? Well, if you, were, if you were injured, he played with a worse injury. We need to roll, roll, his, roll his leg up, show you his scars. See? Good <laughs> <laughs> too. Man at match. We need to talk because we've finished the story that he told us that he was absolutely I, I, mind blown. The, the excitement level were through the roof, mm. weren't it? I wish we'd have got it on camera. I wish we'd have got it. So he was saying that he'd, he'd come back for a match with his two grandsons. Yeah, so they're in the, the services are, uh, on our way back from a game. Starving, weren't they? He never had a KFC, which surprised me. 
Does he look like a KFC man? No, but everybody's had a KFC, haven't they? You but know, as he was telling the story, he was wanted to make sure that everybody was listening, yeah. all four of us. He kept making eye contact with you, Matty, as <laughs> yeah. if like... You were packing up and he... No, no, listen. Wait. Listen. He never had a KFC and then they got to the... Services. What he described as a massive iPad, I think, didn't he? With his grand... Was it his grandson? Yeah, with his grandkids. It, yeah. were like, um, it were like... Um, it were like Marty McFly had just gone to 2050 and he... It flew into the, the future and his mind had been blown by the technology that was now available. He says it weren't even at the counter. It was like 10 yards behind the counter. <laughs> he would tell were going, and then there's this big iPad and then you just choose what you want. And I, I just, I, I, and then I'd put a cork and I didn't want a cork and my son come on, he deleted <laughs> him, no problem. And then you just, they give you a number, you just stand there next minute, your food comes. No, no, I think he said. And then all of a sudden, my number's on the screen. <laughs> Pointing to the screen. on the screen. My grandkids are like, Grandad, what, what, what are you doing? Before I know, I'm sat down eating chicken. <laughs> and it was nice, he said. He, he enjoyed it. And it was just like, as though it had totally blown his mind, weren't it? I've got my receipt and there's a number at the top and next thing, it's on the screen. <laughs> I think he couldn't believe that there was, a, there was crowds of people but when his number okay. came up, it was his turn. Yeah. So he, he felt like he was queue jumping. Barging through. Out the way, out the way, six, seven, four, out the way. Do you remember on the way home, after recording him, we got a photo, didn't we? Oh, we, <laughs> got we put it up on screen. Put it up on so screen. happy, wasn't he? Put it, in, uh, put it in your mind that you wanted one, didn't it? Yeah. I, know, I think we got, we got six laughing faces back from him. He loved it. <laughs> he loved it. But that Villa era. Yeah. I was big, probably 12, some, 13. And I, they that's had some a, big dogs, by the way. Ginola. Proper big dogs. That popped Colombo. up the other day, you know, when he whipped his top off, Ginola. Oh, and he's, yeah. more, he's more ripped than what I remember. Yeah. Tanned as well. I always just remember Ginola doing uh, celebrity stars in their eyes. He did uh, raindrops are falling on my head. No, not watch it. No. We'll have to put the link in. We know we speak about what, singing, with the, sing or, singing with the Swains or something. Oh, yeah. It's a beauty. He's got a voice on him. He underplayed his voice as well. Yeah. He kind of was oh, like. He's got uh, some good pipes on him. Oh. I think he, I think he, he, he regrets leaving Villa, doesn't he? Yeah. I think he regrets leaving Villa. Yeah, definitely. What he would and probably taking the derby job. Yeah. It's mad when it manages just on the cusp of achieving something at a club and then disappear. I remember my, uh, to be fair, they used to pay some big dough, you know. Yeah. My agent were a Villa fan. I remember him telling me, you know, apart from the top four, Villa were the next sort of big payers in the Premier League back then. I can imagine. And they were up there, weren't they, under him? Any other news, gents? No, Anything Chris. going down? Quiet times. <coughs> You're, you've, you've been on holiday again, John, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, no, I, don't, I don't know what it is, but my mic, but just... Fucking You're actually on holiday now, aren't you? Yeah, I'm on holiday. Drop. I'm enjoying again. myself. Again. Yeah, I'm holiday again. Again. Yeah. It's outrageous. Yeah, fuck you. You had a time share? No, but fuck you. I'm really enjoying myself. The pool's uh, not open still, but we found an hotel next door, so we're uh, just using their pool. Very nice. I think uh, I've took. I hope you don't get in. Because you're saying, and we're using the pie up, they're saying, oh, have you got a key, I've sir? got six are you a, are you different... A re- are you a resident here, sir? I've got six different colours, all-inclusive bands. So if it's not one of them six, it's fucking very unlucky, <laughs> isn't it? The thing is, I remember you were on the phone to Katie trying to say to her, we're going to have to go up to another hotel. And your reasoning was, 
if Baldy and Brownie can go to the Double Tree Hilton and have a breakfast every morning when we're in Qatar, we can go to another pool. <laughs> You'll be pushing her in. Go on, you go first. You go first. You, get, Ten, you go and put towels on, lad. Just put them in kids. Go on, you go first. Go and put them towels we'll see there. see you down there in 10 minutes. Are you going to take you to Rebo West, the Nike number? Nike West? Uh, I might take it just for lounging around the apartment in. Because you did say that she doesn't like you wearing no, it. No, she doesn't like me in my vest. It's a beauty as well. What, what more do you want? Mm. I don't know. From a vest? <laughs> everything, and it shows your arms off. <laughs> I can't with Katie on this one. <laughs> yeah, it's not, not pretty, is it? <laughs> yeah, especially if it's got a bit of food down it as well, oh. which normally has. Right, how are we then? Yes, thanks for watching, as always. And if you're not subscribed, subscribe. And if you're not, not yet a Patreon, get involved. Two extra episodes a month. Anything else? Any more? Any more? No. Have you cleaned your glasses? Yeah. They look, Why yeah. they look printy? <laughs> yeah. No, they just look clean. Well, I could see through them. I can, yeah. Give them a wipe. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.